most of the people who come to Florida, they go to Disney and they spend too much money on chicken fingers and they go to a overpriced restaurant on iDrive right near their hotel. And that's their dining experience. And I would probably hate the food scene in Florida as well if I had that experience. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Before we jump into the show, I need a favor from you. Right now, stop what you're doing and take a moment to rate The Zest in your podcast app. It's quick and easy to do, and it really helps us out. Thanks so much. Now, on to today's episode. Are the James Beard Awards snubbing Florida? At least one local food writer says yes. He's here to explain why this matters and offer solutions for how to make the contest more fair and inclusive. If you're a longtime Florida foodie, then you can probably rattle off the names of some James Beard Award winners from the Sunshine State. Here at The Zest, we've even been lucky enough to interview some of them like Art Smith, Michelle Bernstein, and Carlos Frias, just to name a few. So the James Beard Awards started in 1990 to recognize the country's best restaurants, chefs, food writers, and others in the culinary world. And a sprinkling of Floridians have been honored recently, but in the big categories like Best New Restaurant and Outstanding Chef, it's been crickets. At least one food writer says that's no coincidence. Eric Barton is a Miami-based freelance journalist who writes about food for Flamingo Magazine. He's also a former James Beard Award judge. He's here to break down how the judging works, why winning this award is so important for restaurants in the first place, and what can be done to make the contest more fair. He'll also offer his picks for the best Florida restaurants that he says deserve a second look. Tell me about your earliest Florida food memory, if you can recall. Well, I, I, yeah, I'll tell you my, my earliest Southern food memory, which might, might be a good lead in for this. So uh, when I was about 12 years old, me and my dad went on this big road trip down to South Carolina where my, my grandparents were staying for a couple of weeks. And he was going to drive all the way straight through. And in the middle of the night, he got too tired and pulled off on this county road. And I think we both realized at the same moment that he was driving on the wrong side of the road and there was a car coming at us and he swerved to try to get to the other side, but there was this drainage ditch in the middle and um, our Ford Tempo just plowed into this mud. And uh, we ended up having to stay at a hotel that night in rural South Carolina, in the middle of nowhere. And the next morning we wake up and um, there's a cafe attached to the hotel and, you know, it's got all the Southern foods that you think of for breakfast. It's got, you know, biscuits and gravy. And um, there was even scrambled brains on there. Which, um, yeah, I did not get the oh, scrambled. Oh, no, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first biscuits and gravy. I think we also got fried chicken for breakfast. And it was like, uh, I loved it so much. And it, I just felt like, you, you know, you have those moments where you're like, I need to eat more of this food. And uh, I've lived in the South for most of my life now. And, um, you know, those are the foods that I think of, like, that are home now. 
I love that. That's a that's a terrible story with a nice ending. <laughs> Sorry for the car accident, but any story that ends with biscuits and gravy, you know, can't be all that bad. So you really take Florida food and Southern food like to heart, which leads us to what we're talking about today. Um, your assertion that Florida food has been underrated or undervalued, perhaps. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it came about because I spent a couple of years as a James Beard judge. For those who uh, probably all your listeners know what the James Beard Awards are, but just in case, they're a national award that started in 1990. And, you know, they they recognize uh, restaurants and chefs from across the country. And uh, in the two years that I was a judge, I noticed that I would recommend places in Florida and, 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 and chefs in Florida, and none of them would win. And, um, you know, to the James Beard Awards, the ones that, that we compete in in Florida, it's, it's the Southeast region. And uh, it would go to New Orleans or um, even Puerto Rico, but not Florida. And I thought that's strange. Maybe it's just my experience of this first two years. But I started looking into it last year, and we have now gone 10 James Beard Award contests without a Florida winner. And uh, the last one was Michael Schwartz uh, in 2010. And so that just seems strange to me. And I, I travel a lot. And so I know that Florida has a really great food scene. I think, you know, Miami, Tampa, Orlando. I mean, these are places that have a lot of really high quality restaurants with really great chefs. And the fact that we were getting snubbed, I, I thought, OK, I got to bring attention to this. You mean we're getting snubbed in every category or just certain categories? Yeah, every category. So we've had two winners in that time in the 10 years for restaurants. One was for wine, but we've had no chefs recognized in that time. I think there's a few reasons for that. So one of them, I think, is that there is this decidedly anti-Florida bias in this country. And I think people really love to hate on Florida. And um, as Floridians, you know, we kind of do that too. You know, we kind of laugh at the Florida man stories and, you know, the fact that we're the butt of the jokes. But I think that it has cost us in this because I think that there are some judges in, in the James Beard Awards, that at least, that just have this sort of anti-Florida bias. And I, there's also a problem with the James Beard Awards is that if you've won the award, you get to vote in the next for, forever. And um, at this point, there are a lot of judges from New Orleans and they all vote for each other. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it creates for an unbalanced award where a lot of the awards are going to New Orleans. New Orleans has a great food scene, but I think Miami at this point has a better food scene. Ooh, well, I'm not here to dispute that argument. Of course, we love Miami. <laughs> New Orleans is, is one of my favorite food cities too. Let's back up. You said you were a James Beard judge. So how do you get that gig? What kind of professional background do you need for that? Because who doesn't want that job? Yeah. So there are two different kinds of James Beard judges. There are the former winners who are chefs, basically. And then there are food writers. And for the chefs, they basically become judges for life. And so a lot of the winners may not even be in the food industry anymore, but they still get to be a judge. Um, the food writers, a lot of them have been grandfathered in, and so they'll stay in for life too. And a lot of them have left the industry. And um, the interesting thing about being a judge for the James Beard Awards is they send you a ballot which lists every nominee in the entire country, and you get to pick them out. And um, it, it creates for an odd system because like one year I went to um, 
um, one of the years that I was a judge, I had recently been in Portland, Oregon. And so I went to three or four really good restaurants there. I, and I could have voted for those restaurants, but I can't say I'm an expert on the Portland scene. And so is it right for me really to vote for these Portland restaurants? You know, they were good, but I don't know if they're the best. So when you look at the regional awards, I can vote for the places that I know in Florida, but I don't know how they compare to Atlanta or New York City, you know, and, and so I think it creates for an unbalanced system where people can vote for places they haven't even been to. That you don't necessarily know if the judges uh, are speaking from their personal experience. That is wild. So <laughs> tell me how exactly the sausage gets made. How many restaurants are, are selected to be semifinalists and then how many are selected to be finalists? And how is it possible that you can vote for a place where you've never eaten? Do you just Google the menu and say, oh, uh, peanut butter with Nutella. That sounds yummy. I'm going to vote for that place. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. So um, basically it starts off with there's a regional director who uh, for the for the um, James Beard Awards, and these are all volunteers, they don't get paid. And so they um, will send out a note and say, hey, tell me if you know of somebody in your area who should be nominated this year. And so they'll create a list of semifinalists. And that is usually hundreds of chefs and restaurants in, in the region. And so a lot of Florida restaurants and chefs have made it that far. And then there'll be a finalist round, which is basically like they've cut it down and, and made some decisions on, on who should make it to the next round. And then the judges all get to vote on the finalists that will then become the winners. And that's the point where we've gotten cut off. We've made it, Florida chefs have made it to the finalist round, but never to, they've never won in these last, last 10 contests. And, and I think it's because of this like, okay, there's just too many judges in Atlanta. There's too many judges in New Orleans. And they're just ignoring Florida places that are actually really good. So it's like a chicken and egg problem because you can't be a judge and vote for your favorite Florida restaurants and chefs if you're not a winner. And you're never going to get to be a winner if no one ever nominates you. So it's this vicious cycle. So what are some of those restaurants and chefs that you think are really good that aren't getting the attention they deserve? Well, one particular that I could mention is Nivin Patel. So he is a Miami chef who um, started off with a restaurant called Ghee. And he had this pretty novel idea. Let, let, let's take Indian food and make it very fresh. And so he, a lot of what he makes, he grows on his own farm and homestead. And the dishes are unlike anything at your neighborhood Indian restaurant. They are really bright and vibrant and he has that real ability to take like a cucumber and give it an amazing amount of flavor, but it still tastes like a cucumber. And he is an extremely talented chef and he has made it to the finalist round, but never won. And he definitely should. Um, he is one who's just gotten snubbed. I, I think also the, the chefs from um, Boya Day in Miami are excellent. It's a chef. It's a restaurant that's gotten a lot of accolades, but just simply can't get the attention from the, the James Beard Awards these days. So are you saying that some of the restaurants that have won maybe don't deserve to win? Or are you just saying we should be casting a wider net? Well, I, I don't know that I can answer that because I, most of them I haven't been to. And so I see these ones that, that have won in New Orleans and I have not been to them. And so they could be excellent. But I, could say, I, I can say this. I know that the Florida restaurant scene is, is really good. And like, as a, for instance, I was in Fernandina Beach last week. And um, it's a very small town. 
that has really good restaurants. And, um, you know, the simple fact of it is that we get so many visitors in Florida every year that it supports a really good restaurant industry. And so if you put Fernandina Beach in the middle of Indiana, you know, it might have one good restaurant, you know, and um, not, not any crack on Indiana, but just. Oh, great. There go all our Indiana <laughs> listeners if we had any. <laughs> you know, my hometown in, in New Hampshire had 60,000 people in it. And there's a couple of good restaurants, you know, and that's pretty normal across the rest of America. You know, in Florida, we have so many visitors that we can support a really good restaurant industry. And we have really good chefs that are opening up all over the state. Why do you think people love to hate on Florida? Everybody loves to hate on Florida man, as you mentioned. And I feel like people don't respect Florida's food scene, maybe because of some of the little cheapy beach places. But what do you think it is that comes to mind first when someone from the outside thinks of a Florida restaurant experience? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, there are lots of theories on this, but I think a, a really good one is that most of the people who come to Florida, you know exactly where they go. They, they go to Disney and they, they spend uh, too much money on chicken fingers at uh, Disney World. And they go to an overpriced restaurant on iDrive right near their hotel. And that's their dining experience. And I would probably hate the food scene in Florida as well if I, if I had that experience. <laughs> but, you know, the ones who come to Tampa and, and find the places in South Tampa that, you know, are, are chef-driven restaurants or in Sarasota and go downtown and, you know, there's some really good restaurants owned by chefs there. Um, Naples has a great food scene, especially for the town, the size of that town. And, you know, if you really get out and explore, like there's a great tapas place in Naples, which I think one of the best tapas places I've ever been to. And um, I don't think you get that in a lot of places in America. And I, I think it's because we have this, this high number of visitors that will support it. So you are one guy saying Florida food deserves more attention. And by the way, I would argue that there are some good restaurants at Disney as well. There's, you know, good food to be found <laughs> everywhere. But who else is kind of beating this drum? It's, it's more than just you, right? Yeah, um, there are other people who are saying the same thing. And so um, and there have been people that have brought some attention to it. So Scott Joseph, he's a former um, Orlando Sentinel writer. He now runs Scott Joseph's Orlando Restaurant Guide. And he has been standing on a soapbox for a long time now talking about this. And he was a judge a lot longer than me, I think, since the beginning of the James Beard Awards. Going back, by the way, to the beginning, there was a point where we were getting a lot of Florida chefs recognized. Right at the beginning, you might know the Mango Gang. It's a, a group of chefs in South Florida, mostly, that started cooking this new age Florida cuisine that was sort of Caribbean and, and inspired by the local ingredients. And we won a lot back then. And yeah, we Alan Susser. Alan, Alan Susser, Susser was, was one, one of them. them and we had him on the zest. Yep. Oh yeah. Alan Susser's great. He's a really talented, talented chef. But so we benefited from what we're getting hit for now. We had this group of uh, Florida chefs who were voting for each other and they, they deserved it. But there was a point in time where Florida was winning over and over again. And then it just sort of switched to New Orleans. And then uh, now New Orleans is winning over and over again. 
but yes, going back to your original question, Scott Joseph has been writing about this for a while now, and he has some really great examples. If you Google his website, he has some really great examples of times where he's recommended places in Orlando that simply get ignored. And I, I think the Orlando restaurant scene, if Florida's getting ignored, Orlando is getting ignored twice as hard because many people do think of it as this place where you just get overpriced chicken wings and chicken fingers and um, there's actually a really good, vibrant food scene there, too. This makes me think we don't know what we don't know, because you said when the <laughs> Florida when the Florida chefs were winning everything and voting for each other, they deserved it. But now that New Orleans and Atlanta are winning everything, I don't know if they deserve it. Is that fair? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I can, I can just speak to the fact that I know this food scene is great. And um, I know it's a high quality food scene that's very vibrant and interesting. And, you know, America is a melting pot. And I think Florida is America's melting pot, you know. And so we have people who have come from all over the country, come from all over the world. And that's really reflected in our dining scene in, in ways that I, don't, I think it's not true in, in a lot of other places in the country. And I think that's one of the things that makes it such a good food scene here. You know, um, I lived in Broward for a long time and within a five mile drive, you can get an amazing Vietnamese place or amazing uh, Caribbean place. And, and, you know, those things I think influence the local chefs into, into making a food scene. That's just so interesting. Okay. Here's a question. Is this really a problem? And I'll let you say why or why not, but do awards even matter anymore? There's a barbecue place in my neighborhood that has a sign out front declaring we were voted the best uh, barbecue buffet in town. And I'm thinking, I don't remember getting a ballot for that. Like who, who voted for you? When was it? People are eating there. They don't, they don't care what award it has or not. So why are the James Beard awards and other awards so important? Yeah, you know, I think that they really are important. So I think Michael Schwartz, our last winner, is a really good example of that. Uh, he, he's a pretty well-known name, and I think a lot of your listeners probably know his name, and even if they haven't been to Michael's Genuine or his other restaurants. And um, he's not a celebrity chef. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever seen him on TV or like on any of those contests or anything. That's just not his thing. But he became known, I think, because of that, uh, in large part, because of that James Beard Award. And that allowed for him to open other restaurants and to start helping other chefs get started. And so they do really bring attention to chefs in a way that can be really beneficial. Unfortunately, there just really isn't another version of that. There isn't a James Beard um, competitor that, you know, that can take over and, and be more fair. Oh, I was going to ask you what other awards should we be paying attention to? You know, every town has its food awards, but I guess there's nothing like the James Beard Awards. No, you know, a lot of places have a Michelin guide and, and Florida, we don't have a city that's, that has a Michelin guide. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Like the Michelin guide, apparently there's a real process of, of, of inviting them in and there some kind of money exchanges hands. And I'm not sure exactly how that works, but if we had a Michelin guide here, maybe that would really be helpful. But um, we just haven't had the interest for local officials to, to attract Michelin, essentially. I'm sad for us. It's like we're waiting to get invited to the party. <laughs> I think that's really true. You know, I, a lot of times I'll have friends who come to town and I'll take them to places. And I think that they're expecting fried grouper sandwiches and you take them to these really great restaurants and they're, you know, they, they're so surprised. Like, wow, I had no idea that Miami had this kind of scene. I guess that's it. We just have to keep, we just have to keep on our soapbox and, and keep telling people how good the food scene is here. 
I'm trying to do my part right here, right now. So if the James Beard Awards are not being fair to Florida and we don't have a Michelin guide, where are some good sources to find out where the best restaurants are? You know, the interesting thing about um, this era right now that we're in is that, uh, you know, you know, when I first got into journalism a long time ago now, that was all the daily newspaper, right? You looked for the daily newspaper, you read the reviews. And like Scott Joseph, for instance, he was the local guy in Orlando for many years, and you would rely on him to tell you where you should be going. We don't have that now, and you really have to be somebody willing to, like, do your own research nowadays. I, in Miami, I get the ear and infatuation newsletters, and they're good. And I also get a lot of press releases from PR folks, which normal people can sign up for too, even if you're not a journalist. And those are pretty good sources of what's coming. I also am a huge fan of Google Maps. And for anybody who hasn't done this, this is getting off on a little bit of a side, but I, anytime someone gives me a recommendation, I tag it as want to go on my Google Maps. And if I were to show you my Google Map for Florida right now, it is full of little green tags and then stars of places that I really like. And um, that's a really helpful like, guide to, to figure out where to go next. I didn't even know that was a thing. So you just go in your Google app. I sound like my mom now, but do you just open up the Google and you can actually <laughs> tag uh, places that you want to go? Yeah, exactly. So um, like when I went to Fernandina Beach last week, I had done some research on what the best restaurants were and then tagged a bunch of want to go. And then in Google, you can actually put a label on it. So you might say like Eater recommends this place or Thrillist says this place is great. And so at some point, if I find myself in downtown on Amelia Island, I can say, okay, uh, what's nearby us right now that's supposed to be good. And it's super helpful to like, so you don't just end up stumbling into a place without knowing what it's about. That is so smart. On my last vacation, I made a Google doc of like restaurants, dessert places, but I never knew where we were in relation to those places. So we didn't get to half of them. So that's a really good tip. Okay. So this whole James Beard snubbing reminds me a little bit of um, the Golden Globes controversy. Actors saying that the Globes are not diverse enough. You had Tom Cruise returning his trophies in protest. Do you see a parallel? Yeah, that's definitely an issue we should talk about. So um, the James Beard Awards coincidentally decided last year while I was reporting a story for Flamingo, decided to put off the awards for at least a year. So they may come back in 2022. It may take longer than that. But the, re the big reason for that is not my reporting, is, uh, although I wish that they were thinking about Florida and it, so seriously, but it's because of diversity. They have a huge problem with diversity. And the problem is that judges simply aren't putting in enough names uh, of people who, with, with diversity. And, and they don't have a way to fix it yet. And um, apparently last year, they got down to the final round of about announcing who was going to win. And it seems like, according to a New York Times story, that they realized, well, we've got a real problem with diversity here. <laughs> and so supposedly they're doing a big review right now. And I reached out to them for my piece in Flamingo and said, hey, are you also looking into the Florida issue? And they sort of gave me a cagey response about, yes, we're looking into everything. So I'm hopeful that they're also going to look in the Florida issue, but the diversity one is a really big one. And I do think it can be fixed. And I think it has to be fixed at the judges. I think that they have to say to the judges, submit ballots that uh, represent your community in, with diversity. Um, you know, it ought to be 50, 50 women. It ought to have the same percentage of uh, minorities that you have in your community. And 
it would be easy enough to do. I, I could certainly come up with a ballot in the city where I live in, in Miami, that would be at least as diverse as the, as the, as the place where I live. And I think if we did that, then we could get to a point where when we get down to the finalists, they also represent the community. I'm glad you brought up your idea for a solution. It's crazy. I guess you've been chewing on this for a year because you wrote the story last year and nothing's really changed or has it? They haven't announced any changes yet. I mean, I'm hopeful. I I do think, I don't think that the James Beard Award folks are ill-intentioned in any way. And I think that the diversity issue is one that was, is, is a difficult one. Like, you know, if you're on the James Beard Awards and you have this system set up and it gets down and you realize it's a whole bunch of old white guys, which it usually is, how do you fix that? And I, I think that's a really tough challenge, but they, they need to, and they should fix it. And I think that there are ways to do it. But yeah, I, I think it is fixable. And I, I think if you start off with the ballot itself, the first ballot, and if someone submits it and it's not half women and it's not, there aren't uh, minorities on there, it's either thrown out or they have to resubmit. And I think that you could fix it just at that at beginning stage and, and make it all work. So the James Beard story was reported a year ago. Anything more recent you want to share with our listeners? I just did a piece in the summer issue that just came out on some of our favorite Florida chefs. And uh, we went back and looked at, uh, it was our five-year anniversary for Flamingo. And so we went back and looked at a few chefs that we've written about before and kind of revisited them, how they've been in this last year. I mean, this last year has been pretty awful on the restaurant industry, but it was interesting to talk to them about how they've changed and how they've kind of thrived through this time. And uh, Navin Patel, for instance, is in there and he's just about to open another restaurant and he opened one last fall. And so it was fun to, to chat with him about like what life is like right now for him. And uh, Valerie Chang is a real talent from Miami. She's in there. She, she, that's her, her first time in, in Flamingo, but we wanted to feature like sort of an up and coming chef. And uh, that's online right now. And um, it's a really fun piece, I think, because it's, it's sort of hopeful and looking forward to what's coming up for these chefs. Very cool. So some names to watch. Well, Eric Barton, thank you so much for dropping this knowledge on us and giving us some good food for thought about the James Beard Awards. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, happy to be here. And I, I have to say, I have to ask you about one thing. I heard a couple of issues ago, you, or a couple of episodes ago, you mentioned that your grandmother used to put uh, fried chicken in a bowl and pretend it was hers. And I thought, I, I want to ask about this. That's, I, think, I thought that was so hilarious. <laughs> I did. God rest her soul. My grandmother, Lois, on my mother's <laughs> side from Philadelphia. Uh, wonderful person. Cooking just wasn't her thing. So she would get like church's chicken or Popeye's, put it in a fancy dish. No questions asked, you know, the chicken and the biscuits. You know, anybody who's ever cooked for like a big family or a lot of people like you, you can't blame her even a little bit. I, I, I love it. I love that story. I think I think it's it, 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 how did you find out? Was there a moment where you realized like. I think we always knew but you don't, you, you, we respect our elders. And so you just go with it. You know what I mean? You're not going to, yeah. you're not going to mention that the, the pie was from the grocery store and you know, the biscuits weren't homemade. It tasted good. So <laughs> that's all that matters. Right. I feel so well, bad. <laughs> if I came over and you served Publix fried chicken, I would be quite happy because it's, it's delicious. And I would think nothing of it. <laughs> we need to do an episode on that. So that's a topic for yes. another day, but Eric, it was so good to talk to you. <laughs> 
Eric Barton is a freelance journalist who writes for a bunch of publications, including Flamingo Magazine, which is based right here in Florida. Until I talked to Eric, I never really thought about how important the James Beard Awards could be for a restaurant or a chef. He's given me a lot to think about, and hopefully you too. Now, if you want to hear some of our conversations with Florida foodies who did win James Beard Awards, we've got plenty of those on our website, thezestpodcast.com. Just search James Beard. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. This week, we had help from Chandler Balcom, Mark Hayes, and Lily Tyson. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2021.